want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives to give their top tips for success with you. Um, Happy New Year's, brand new year. We're in 2019, and we're kicking off this episode, um, the first one of the year, and uh, really excited to have Garrett Mott on the line. Uh, he's from Hanson Bridget, um, the trial lawyer, senior counsel. Um, representing primarily real estate and construction companies, and he works in sensitive and complex litigation. Um, Hanson Bridget, if you're not aware, um, they're a large firm in L.A. They have over 150 attorneys in San Francisco, Sacramento, North Bay, East Bay. Um, that's a long long intro. Garrett, welcome. Glad to have you on the show. Adam, thanks for, so much for uh, inviting me on your show. Oh man, I'm really excited to have you here. I I know we've um we've only known each other for a good, you know, couple of weeks now and we've been collaborating on the uh real estate book volume 2, which oh actually now now that I think about it, I don't think I've told anybody about that. So for everybody listening and I appreciate all the support on uh last year for the first volume of the real estate edition of Money Matters. Um we're now we're going to be doing a second edition this year and the plan is also to end the year with a real estate conference here in Los Angeles. So it's going to be a busy year, busy for real estate, and Garrett will be one of our contributing authors. Um, so let's get to know a little bit more about Garrett. Um, tell me, how did you get started in, in just wanting to be in real estate? Was it was it family? Was it friends? I mean, how did you get started? Yeah, it was uh, it, it's my, and it's been my family background. You know, my grandfather – before me, he was involved in hotels, um, and then my father, he grew up, built his own real estate business. I grew up, you know, kind of under him, under his tutelage, learning about investing, learning about managing companies, learning about how to work with within the parameters of the law, and also uh, how to be an entrepreneur. So all those things sort of folded into my background, uh, you know, made me uh, who I am today, and ultimately made me seek out real estate and construction law as my particular specialty. Wow. So you're, you say your grandfather, do you say he was in hotels? He was, he was. That's... Yeah. So he started out in, uh, in Pennsylvania and then he moved over here. He got this hotel deal. This is in, I think in the, the late fifties. Um, and he got a, he got a hotel deal in central California and he started managing that hotel there. And then, um, after that, he switched off and he did some other some other ventures. Um, but my father stuck to real estate, and he's been doing it ever since. Wow, how 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 cool is that to see your grandfather um, in in the hotel business? I remember my my grandfather. He now that I think about it, I remember going to his home as a really young kid and remembering and wondering like why he lived in this apartment building. And I thought, and now I'm, I'm just thinking about it. And I remember asking my mom like, why doesn't Grandpa have a house? And she and she's like, no, Adam. He he actually he owns the whole building. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's got that's got to shock you when you're young. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm like, huh? And then and and kind of thinking and fast forwarding, I'm like, so when I graduated college, I bought my first apartment building, and I'm thinking I'm in this one bedroom apartment, and I'm like, oh, that's where I got it from, Grandpa. <laughs> I own the building. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's great. Um, so then, um, I mean, so fast forward a little bit. So you you're you're going to law school. That's where some of the um, where the influence came from. Maybe earlier in your um, early on. I mean, real estate, construction law. Like what kind what kind of things interest you about that? 
And, and, and just to give you a demographic, so some of our listeners may be in college right now or considering a career in law. If you can maybe speak to them about what you what kind of drew you to that, they may be they may be battling with some of the same decisions. Yeah, that 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 sounds like a great uh, way to approach this. So when I went to uh, to college, I went to USC. Fight on. Uh, when I went when I went there, um, I was looking at a different a lot of different majors to try and figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And one of the first majors I looked at was business, and I. Of course, my father was in business. I felt like, of course, I, I got to be in business. So I did that for a little while, and it just it wasn't really working out. It was it was uh, too structured. So instead, I switched over to history, which has always been a, a love of mine, and I, I was a great writer. So I ended up double doubling in history and in poli sci, both heavy writing uh, majors, and I folded in that kind of writing style and my love for those two subjects with my desire for real estate. And, you know, what lawyers don't tell you oftentimes is the time that they're in the courtroom is so minimal compared to the time that they're writing. And you need those writing skills. So for those listeners out there that are in college, choose, and you want to go to law school, absolutely choose a writing major. It's, it's, it'll make the rest of your writing career through law school You'll do exceptionally well through the LSAT. You'll do exceptionally well on the bar exam, and then you'll get those those big law jobs to help start you off in your career. Oh, that's great. I mean, re- really good advice. Um, and it does seem that um, I think the podcast has been uh, predominantly USC grads, thanks to Chirag and some other people. I think the referral network here in Los Angeles is pretty strong. <laughs> it is. It is. I don't. I don't even think I have any of my alma mater interviewed here. If there's any Spartans <laughs> out there, Michigan State, James Madison College, um, yeah, s- send me a message. Let's get you on here because we don't have any representation. USC is owning this. <laughs> Um, fantastic. So I, um, that's that's great, but that is great information for for our younger listeners. Um, let's say that you know you now you're. Let's take let's go a little bit further in the career, and let's say that you know it's somebody that's maybe even in law school, and they're thinking about you know, um, and they're they're graduating, and they're thinking about you know special what their specialty is going to be. Um, what would your what would your advice be to them on the potential for um, real estate or uh, in this type of law? And I'll and I'll throw out the other side where this question comes from. I know a lot of people that see a lot of um, opportunity and you know estate planning and things of that nature when they when they're graduating because they have a certain feel of wanting to work with a certain type of client. Um, mm-hmm. So what would you say about the real estate side of things for practicing law? So I think this I think this works both with lawyers and with other folks in in just the real estate space in general. It probably applies to every profession. Uh, you got to get your skills first. You got to get the base of your skills first. So you might have a very uh, you might have an interest or a passion in real estate, but you need to attain the skills to make you a specialist in that area first. And what what I mean by that is. When you go through law school, there's a lot of real estate courses you can take, of course. You can take all those. But those, those real estate courses are going to give you the bare minimum understanding. What you really need to be a lawyer are skills and a, and a deep skill set. So what I did, for example, I went and I worked for a, a national law firm, uh, you know, a big law firm for 
a number of years and through working at a big law firm, I got those those skill sets. I tried cases, I tried arbitrations, I crossed people on the stand, I wrote contracts. It doesn't even really matter that you're doing those skill sets in a different area. Maybe you're doing them in general litigation or maybe you're doing them in, you said, in estate planning with a, a different type of client that's not your current interest. That doesn't matter. You just need to develop those skills so that once you become a master at those skills, you can apply them to the interest that you have. And that's what I did. So I started out, I had a, uh, I worked for the big law firm. I developed those skills. I was a white collar criminal trial lawyer. So I tried cases uh, to juries as a criminal lawyer. And I use those skills now today uh, to help myself in a real estate and construction practice. Oh, that's great. Um, no, that, that's very helpful. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the investing climate and what's going on in real estate in, in California. Um, I know you work with, you know, um, with a lot of construction and, you know, um, I mean, what's your, what's your feel for the overall market? Not predicting is it going up or down, but what, what is the overall climate? What would you say the temperature is? Well, first, uh, Stepping back a little moment, there's you know there's there's construction and then there's real estate. I like to think of them separately. Construction oftentimes doesn't ebb and flow with the market. I know that seems sort of strange, but in our practice, what we usually see is construction is actually fairly steady. Not the amount of construction, but the construction work that comes in. You know, dealing with contracts, dealing with litigation, it's actually fairly steady. Real estate is the one that's extremely cyclical. Right now, of course, the, there's a lot of transactions happening. And then when there's not a lot of transactions happening, that's when folks are getting involved in litigations because they're upset <laughs> with uh, transactions that haven't gone over well. So you see, you, see real estate, <laughs> you see real estate get a little bit more cyclical than, than construction. Construction tends to be uh, flatter. But to directly answer your question about um, where we are in the L.A. market, you know, I've been going to a number of different seminars recently. I was just at one today. Um, and I've also been talking with some of my real estate developer clients. And I think the general mood that I'm seeing is people are being a little cautious right now. Um, and, and I like to say, you know, everyone's got their money waiting on the side for the next crash. But the problem is, is that when your money's sitting on the side and everybody else's money is sitting on the side, the crash doesn't happen. And it hasn't happened because everyone is anticipating it. It's sort of like you have to wait when everyone is least expecting it and then it will happen. So, uh, you know, from talking to the folks that I've been talking to, from going to these seminars, I get the general sense that we're going to be coming into, a, uh, you know, a flat 2019, a flat 2020. I don't see uh, what some people are predicting as a massive crash. I just don't see that happening. Lending is completely different now. Everyone has, uh, you know, people are vetted. There's no Nina loans anymore. Um, and the fact that there's just so much money sitting out there on the sidelines waiting for the next crash just it makes me feel like at, at, at the least we're going to get some type of movement and at the worst we're going to get uh you know flat or stagnant progress for the next couple of years yeah I, I feel i feel like that's definitely um the 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 mood or attitude of of a lot of people in a lot of circles in l a right now I, I would have to agree with that um and you know like like the last one right we didn't nobody saw that what was gonna happen well well right. let's say the couple of people that did see it or or say they did uh, made a lot of money from it but <laughs> very very far and few in between that predicted the last one and what this one's gonna come from if it's cmos if it's 
tech related, if it's related to some other type of thing, who knows? <laughs> but um, yeah, it could be over, student loans. Who, who knows? Oh man, student loans. That's, a, that's, right that's, student loans. that's another bear for anybody that's listening. There, I think probably half the listeners just cringed in <laughs> another quarter. So <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, um, so what? So what's next for you? I mean, so what? What can you talk about that you're working on? Not for a client, obviously, but what? What kind of things are interesting sure, to sure. you right now? Mm-hmm. So, so generally, I think kind of what I'm seeing in the next five years or so, kind of my personal goals are, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, clients that I work with that are large institutional clients. They're ENR top 100 clients. These are um, top contractors, the top designers, th- those sort of folks. And, and that's great. They have, they have a wonderful business. I like dealing with them. Um, but I, I really have a passion for some of the smaller to mid-sized clients. And that's my goal in the next five years to try and focus my practice on on those folks because I see such a need for people who are entrepreneurs who like you know you know a lot of your listeners are probably entrepreneurs a lot of the folks that you work with are entrepreneurs and the thing about entrepreneurs is they don't all the time think about the rules when they're executing their actions and I feel like I can provide such a significant value to people who are starting off maybe they're in a mid-sized company and the compliance there, the help there, is just not the same as it is with a large international firm who has a full in-house department. So that's that's kind of what I'm focused on in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. is reaching those folks who don't have that access to people like me who are big law trained and have the experience that I have, and, and kind of reaching out to those folks instead of just always the large institutional clients. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the mistakes that some of these mid-sized clients make? Like, what are some of the things that you can see? Because I know, I know, as an advisor, sometimes I, you know, I sit down with somebody and I, uh, and you know, based off of my experience, based off working with thousands of people, like you, you kind of already can see some of the 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 errors that they've mm-hmm. made or are going to make in advance, and that you're you're just kind of like in the back of your mind saying, oh, I'm so happy they're here. Now they don't have to make that mistake that they were probably likely going to or they were in the middle of. What are some obvious – what's an obvious one that comes out that you're just like, oh, this is definitely one that people should think about? Obvious ones uh, generally, you know, uh, relate to contracts. So a good example. Um, I see it all the time where a real estate developer or a real estate investor gets into a contract with a contractor, a GC, to – Repair or model. You know, you're doing your your triple R's, right? You're remodeling, refi. You know, you're doing you're doing that action. Um, and as you're doing the remodel, you get this general contractor in, and he gives you a form contract, and you just go ahead and sign it because you want to get the job done. And often those form contracts, some of them are absolutely horrible for for what you want to be doing as a developer. Sometimes they've got down payments in there that are completely illegal. Um, first off, sometimes some of them are asking you up up front for $50,000 for work they haven't performed. I see that on a daily basis. I, I see that kind of, uh, you know, illegal activity. Contractors are not supposed to be doing that. They're only supposed to be getting work or money for work that they've actually performed. And they can only, get, you know, have you pay a down payment for $1,000 if you're just remodeling a home improvement project like a single-family home. And a lot of people don't know that. 
So I see I see that happen all the time. The other thing I see with contracts is, and this is very unfortunate. Um, sometimes you have you have these two unsophisticated parties, and they've never really uh, they don't think a dispute's going to happen. And when you don't think a dispute is going to happen, that's when the worst things do happen. So they don't put in any dispute resolution provisions in their contract. There's nothing about attorney fees in their contract. And what happens if you have a dispute with your contractor and there's no attorney's fees provision? You're paying for that out of your, your own pocket. So you see that often with smaller developers who don't follow, you know, the forms that higher institutional investors are following. And I see that as, as a big warning to smaller developers who need their contracts reviewed. Oh, that's great. I mean, those are, those are amazing tips. And for anyone listening, um, that, you know, is in that situation, um, or, or they've been in that situation, um, that's, uh, I, I probably, probably a wake up call to make sure you, uh, are revisiting, um, how you're doing business all around. Um, no, that, that's fantastic, Garrett. Well, well, hey, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I, I know we're going to have a great year together. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have you in this next um, edition of the Money Matters Real Estate Book, Volume 2. I'm hoping that's going to be done by February. So we'll be doing a lot more and um, get you back on the show to do a little bit more promo around your chapter and what you're specifically going to write about. We're excited to kind of let let our let our listeners hear some of that stuff. Um, any any final words of advice for the for the listeners? Yeah, actually, you know there is there is one more thing. I was uh, I was thinking about as you were as you were talking. There's a there's a statute out there called SBA 800. It deals with new construction. I know a lot of your listeners are probably folks that are are building new construction. They should know about that rule. Um, that rule says that if there's any disputes that you have with the person that you build the new home for, there's a lot of procedures that you can use defensively against somebody. They can't immediately sue you, for example, under that new law. So there's just a lot out there in construction that I feel like you know, I provide that value for. And I, I hope your real estate investors and developers are, are, are listening in and they're tuning into all these things that are happening in the laws uh, as California goes through uh, these new laws that they're, they're passing. You see why I asked that question? I knew you were holding out on me. <laughs> and we'll, I won't hold on the book. <laughs> oh, great! Um, and we're, what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you? Um, head to the website, or what? If they want to talk more about their their um their projects. Yeah, they can they can head to the website, or they can just call me. I'm I'm regularly available and, and very responsive, so you can just call me. My number is two one three three nine five seven six two three. Call me anytime. All right. Fantastic. Garrett, thanks for coming on the show and have a wonderful day. Thanks so much, Adam.